0: y'all all see that and recording to the cloud watch your language everything is recorded and will be used against you <laughs> or will at least remain in your permanent file
1: <laughs> remember your permanent record from school
0: everything it is. still exists <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Oil Dow Coffee Club podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hey Don. Hey everybody, I'm Sam. Sam. What's shaking, Don? You know, I'm living on Zoom, just zooming my life away. I found a song there. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to work on it right after the show. (laughs) But I found an Easter egg in zoom a lot of people don't know about it oh you know the new updates to it you can move windows around Mm -hmm. so like i can move you you can put your resentments to the bottom of the screen (laughs) yeah you put all the people you don't like at the bottom well you can line up people according to like how they're dressed like everybody that's wearing a black and white checkered shirt are you
1: are you painting you make a line and if if you're doing
0: mosaics (laughs) yes everybody who's got a beard you put them in a line if you get five in a row all the way across the line disappears and you get 10 points what happens to the people i haven't figured that out (laughs) <laughs> so you're playing Tetris On sh- Zoom <laughs> Maybe maybe I should be paying attention
1: <laughs> That would well, be a cool little add-in uh, Add a little Tetris add-in yeah, on, on Zoom It might get people To at least pay attention during the meeting At least yeah. look like they're paying
0: attention And turn on your video <laughs> <laughs> But at least we do have Zoom. Yeah, we do, and it it's really helpful.
1: And you know, one of the things that I, I realized when we were having a conversation recently on the hoo ha holiday special, which I still Hoo-ha. completely, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's continued forward, and I have yet to act on it beyond like talking about it more. And that is that connection with friends more than one on
0: one or and different from a meeting uh, on Zoom. A friend told me that there's a different app called Gather that is supposed to be a little bit easier to form smaller groups and talk to each other. Oh, yeah. And so I'm going to check that out and see. If so that everybody would...
1: has to learn yet another app. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. <let's... laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'll try anything. I'm getting bored sitting around here. just looking at you and me and oh we have somebody else here with us Somebody, did we just get zoom bombed we got (laughs) bombed (laughs) introduce yourself
2: i'm pat i'm alcoholic
0: hey pat thank you for joining us pat welcome to the boiled Dow coffee club when did
2: you get sober june 28 2009 and And i was thinking well you know at that point it's like Thought my life was over, and it was all downhill, and here I am on the boiled owl. So it's, it's come a long way.
0: <laughs> it, well, just, I mean, it, it gets better and
2: better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: i sometimes you just accept the compliment, right, Don? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, I know that you are a listener because we've talked before. So I'm glad that you joined us today. Tell me, so What happened to you to get sober? How did you decide that you needed to quit altogether?
2: Well, my life was just kind of chaos, you know, just going through my own counseling, going through marriage counseling, just hurting people, feeling regretful, and just had enough. I said, I'm I'm done. And and alcohol was the the main uh, culprit there. I remember, uh, you know, I went, we are going through marriage counseling and uh, I thought my wife had ADHD because I always had to say things twice, and they said, "Well, I drank too much." So she got tested for ADHD, and she didn't have it. I went to see a psychiatrist about drinking, and he said I was an alcoholic. You <laughs> so, had that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I lost out on that one. But then he said, "You know, well, we need to get started on, uh, you know, this this treatment, whatever." I said, "Well," I kind of pushed it off. And he said, "Well, you know, if you're not going to start working, you just try try as we say the controlled drinking. And it was, you know, Good two plan. drinks a day. So it was, you know, two two beers a day. And then the beers became sixteen ounces, then became twenty-two ounces, and they were, you know, hard liquor and." So I didn't stay on that plan very well, but so it just progressed, it just progressed to the point where I'd had enough.
1: I don't I don't know of any of us who have uh, been able to do to stick to that plan all that well. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
2: well I guess that was a good treat to kind of show the uh, that I really was an alcoholic.
0: Well, I, it's the only way. Who cares to do the twelve steps if they don't have to? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't want to look at myself. I did not want to make amends to people that I had harmed. Are you suggesting that we have to be beaten into a state of reasonableness? Yeah. (laughs) A a very tedious beating I took. I can tell you that. And But, you know, the failure at trying to control my drinking, that's the answer. I mean, because if you can control it, you're not an alcoholic.
1: Yet. If you if there's some reason that you have to control
0: it, I bet you're well on
1: your way, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The thing is that people who aren't alcoholics, they don't have to. They don't even worry about controlling it.
1: Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, and and it still amazes me, the people who will drink half of an alcoholic beverage and be done. That's
2: Uh, I just can't do that you know, controlled drinking is no fun and fun drinking is out of control. So, so what's the point?
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get sober, Pat?
2: In uh, Richmond, Virginia. So oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah. So it was a little group. It's funny. I called the AA office and they said, and I said, "They said, well, there's a meeting, you know, Saturdays, you know, about a half mile from your house. I said, well, you think they'll take me? They so oh, yeah, just walk in. I, you know, I didn't know what it took to get into AA. If you get a apply and get accepted like a regular organization but you know you just walk in the door and i did and, and actually yeah. knew somebody there and was well accepted and it was a uh, 12 and 12 study group so every we just did the 12 and 12 book over and over and how'd you find
0: your first meet how did you find aa to do this did you had you heard of it somewhere or did the psychiatrist had, recommend it or what
2: no i had a friend who was in it but i just you know went online and uh you know knew that that's what i had to do you know to join aa
1: well you know i really like that you you mentioned that uh you, you didn't know what was needed for you to be able to co- go to that first meeting you know is this do you do i have to apply for membership or or you know what 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 are the rules um yeah. because i uh, i um in in service to uh to some aa organizations i see some of the emails that come in to them from people who are wanting to attend their first meeting and they've got those same questions it's it's still one of those things that the information is not so readily out there yet of all you got to do is walk in the door
2: yeah yeah i didn't know anything about a the 12 steps an open meeting a closed meeting you know i just just showed up
0: i went to a library like a year before i came to aa and I had seen before when I was in there that there were some pamphlets and one of them was like, is AA for you? And you said, (laughs) yes, as you stole it. (laughs) I took that pamphlet and put it in. I went and checked out a library book, a big one that was bigger than the pamphlet. (laughs) Then I went back over to where the pamphlets were and I took that and stuck it in the book and then walked out with it. So nobody would know. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I stole it. <laughs> I stole the free pamphlet and it was, uh, you know, it was all the questions about it. If you're an alcoholic and I passed with flying colors. <laughs> now I like this thing that you tell me about trying to control it and failing at it. How long did you do that?
2: Oh, it may have been four years or so. <sighs> and I just That's found it. Yeah, it was, uh, Kind of hurting my, the people around me, you know, as, you know, being regretful and, uh, you know, binge drinking on the weekends and hanging in bed till late in the morning and uh, just not a good lifestyle. So, how are you trying to control it if you're binging? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the controlling probably only lasted a few months. So I said, I gave up.
0: But then you're paying attention.
2: Yeah. I'm probably aware of it. But maybe just gave up.
0: That's a lot like my drinking
1: was. I, I, I was not a daily drinker. I was every other day at best. Uh, so, you know, sometimes there were a couple of days in between, but man, you let that weekend hit and it was on. It just kind of started interfering with my weekday
0: life. I get that binging thing. I would be able to control it a couple of 3 days a week, like during the week a lot of times I'd be okay, although maybe you know I'd say I'm only going to drink a couple of beers on you know at night so my idea was i could i could have a few beers every night and the problem was i couldn't know which nights that was going to work and which nights that wasn't going to work and some nights it would be four o'clock in the morning i'm still i don't want to go to bed because i still got some drinking to do Mm. and i got to get up and go to work the next day or Like the time that I was painting in my studio, it was like time to go to bed. I got to go to bed. I got to get up the next day, go to work. I went by the refrigerator and just got to have one more beer. And I got a beer and went and sat in the dark in the living room with all the lights off because I was going to bed, just sitting there in the dark drinking a beer. Now, that is some good time social drinking. There you go. Yeah, my I attempts had- to control were nothing like that.
1: I mean, My my only attempt to control was I'm not going to drink tonight. And I, I generally failed because I knew that once I started, it was on. I, was, I wasn't I was going to try to control it after I started.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't just have two. You know, if I was going to drink, it'd be the one more, the one more, you know, until it be 10, mm. 11 o'clock. So okay, that's enough.
0: Did you realize before you came into AA what craving was i didn't i thought i i knew that i just always wanted one more beer but i never really identified that i crave it until i got into aa and they were talking about the phenomenon of craving i was going oh wow there's a name for that
2: yeah i don't think i realized that i had it until we started talking about it but i would Mm -hmm. always be the one you know in in a social function trying to get ahead of everybody else you know trying to have the extra drink or you know um, having one more.
1: <clears throat> oh yeah, I, I had to have more than, than, than you did.
2: <laughs> yeah. Having one before, before you go out, or mm-hmm.
1: yeah, getting drunk to go out drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the, the, way that, uh, the way that we poured shots in, in my house, uh, I think there were, I think there were 15 shots that we were getting out of a, uh, a fifth, and I always
0: got the 15th. <laughs> so Pat, what broke? finally that made talk about how you came to a decision that this is i just can't do this
2: yeah just um you know getting in i guess a bad situation or having to you know uh, tell my wife you know how i screwed up and uh you know that drinking had involved prior to that you know just having to to realize that it was getting out of control
0: so after a period of time, you just couldn't take yeah, it anymore? or
2: Yeah, I mean, then I realized that... Uh, you or know, were it, you
0: in so much trouble? I mean, what was... No,
2: you know? I wasn't in a lot of trouble. It was just that then I realized that I was, uh, you know, I'd say stupid things, you know, and, and hurt people or just being selfish and self-centered, you know, that the whole world was around me and I wasn't caring for other people, or how they felt.
1: So it sounds like you you really didn't like yourself. You didn't like who you were being.
2: Yeah, yeah, I didn't uh, didn't like who I'd become. You know, I could could be better than that.
1: Yeah, I I relate to that too. Uh, That that sense of shame would kick in. Not not so much guilt because it wasn't things that I had done. It was who how I was being. It was who you know I had transformed into this person that was shitty, and I didn't
0: like that. Yeah were you the the type that had kind of a personality change when you drank
2: oh yeah I was the you know the happy-go-lucky guy you know so I wasn't the mean drunk but uh,
0: oh you were happy-go-lucky yeah yeah so you didn't really have a turn into a different personality when
2: you no drank. but sometimes when I joke around it got me in trouble
0: uh, I have a, a caustic sense of humor, kind of cynical <laughs> sense of humor that got me in trouble many a time. <laughs> Still does. That airing member of the tongue. <laughs> Actually, you do have access to
1: pause now, though, don't you? So, you know, there it doesn't come out as frequently. That's a, that that pause that we get from uh, from working this program and, and and growing in it really does become useful. It does. <laughs> yeah,
2: I've noticed that you know, like having a filter now. You know, so, you know maybe I shouldn't say that. I'll just be quiet.
1: <laughs> Mine is generally engaged fairly well,
0: except when I'm on the owl. i heard a speaker talk about uh the way that she operated was ready fire aim there you go (laughs) the alcoholic motto yeah (laughs) ready fire aim (laughs) that's exactly the way i would i would do things well so pat you got into aa what did you just embrace it right away? It's like, oh, this is great. This is just what I want to do. Or did you have struggle with some of it? And
2: um, I really didn't struggle. And I just went to the uh, one meeting a week. It was a Saturday twelve study group. You know, we did the twelve and twelve, the steps and traditions. Um, I did ask somebody to be a sponsor, but he wasn't a very strong sponsor, so mm-hmm. I was kind of doing the steps on my own, you know, it's kind of the the ism I sponsor myself. And I I heard heard that one. (laughs) So I kind of asked him, well, and you can do a few of the steps on your own, but you get to five, you can't do that by yourself. And four. And I said, well, I'm kind of struggling with step four. He said, well, just ask your home group for help. Well, that's, that's not very very good advice. Mm -hmm. So I never, I kind of just stayed it that way for like three years and then I would listen to uh, speaker tapes, take the dog for a walk, have a cigar, and listen to a tape every night, so I kind of was doing the 90 and 90 with with speaker tapes, so I'd listen to those constantly, but then after about three years, I said, I really got to get serious about this program. If I'm going to do the steps, you know, I really need to do them, so we had a a guy that would do the Back to Basics program. You heard about that? It's a 12 steps in four weeks and they get you through it. And every month they'd announce, hey, we're starting back to basics again. So I finally said, All right, we're gonna do it. So I jumped in and and got through the steps, you know, got through five, you know, made an amends, you know, got got through all the difficult steps. So I just had to put my feet in and get it done.
0: Three years yeah. before you decided that you had to really get serious about it. What what made you decide you had to get serious about it?
2: I just didn't feel a part of AA, you know, it's like, you know, I didn't go to rehab or anything. And honestly, there were people talk about rehab. I didn't, I couldn't feel part of that, but mm-hmm. when people talked about the steps. I really didn't feel a part of the group unless I really had done them. You can do them in your head, but that's not doing the steps. You really You're need to real do them with somebody. So I just did. I just wanted to feel part of the group and 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 experience what the steps were.
0: There was a group here called step doers, which I, I ran I ran through the steps one time, which what was, what did you call it? What was the group you... Back to Basics. Back to Basics. basics. Back yeah. to
1: basic. Step doers. That's, that's not D-E-W-A-R-S, right? <laughs> I got to throw this shit in here. You know I do.
0: Sam, get your mind out of the bottle. <laughs> um, someone's got to be sick here. Yeah, step doers this one guy just got together a group. He and he had a form and we would go through the steps, go through a step each night. It really changed the way I thought about the fifth step because we would swap fifth steps. Like you're sitting across the table from there were like six or seven people doing it at the time that I did it with them and we got to step four and we wrote it down on the filled out the form that night and we came back the next week and randomly paired off and swapped fifth steps and it took the the monumentality of the thing away it's just like we're making an inventory of the things that don't work and then just Telling another person what that stuff is, and then they tell me what you know. I share what my stuff is, and he shares what his stuff is, and it's like uh, it was easy. Did it work? Something like that?
2: Um, I yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, the fellow leading the group. You know, I had known him for three years because he's been in my home group. You know, so he kind of knew me, and you know, I, I worried more about the fifth step. And he said, "Well, you know." I kind of know you. I know you've been, uh, you know, making changes. And, and uh, I said, you know, just hit the high points. And it wasn't a big deal, you know. Uh-huh. I think I worried uh-huh. more about hearing somebody's fifth step than actually doing my own. <laughs> In what way? What was worrisome about? Well, it? I didn't. I didn't know. I was worried about how to respond. You know, to to uh, say the thing. yeah. I didn't. I knew not to be judgmental, but you know, I knew that. You know, some things were not that important, and some were that we wanted to work on. So I just, just was uh, pray into the higher power that I say the right things.
0: Did you have a hard time with a higher power when you came in, or was it?
2: No, no, I really I believed in God. You know, and um, a Catholic, uh, I didn't have any any problem with that. What about
0: any of the steps? Can you share an experience of one of the steps that? was pivotal that changed your idea is it was different doing it than you thought it was going to be going into it.
2: Well, you know, I guess the, the ninth step, you know, I finally, you know, had to sit down and make amends to my wife, you know, and that, uh, you know, Oh yeah. The one with
0: her. ADD. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I only had to tell her once, <laughs> but now I did to, uh, sit down and be honest and uh, get it off the table and, and, and clear the air. So it, uh, it was good to do, and and uh, encouraged me to make amends in other in other times. And then I was I moved from Richmond to um, Southport, North Carolina, and I said, well, you know, the last meeting before I leave, I should chair. I hadn't chaired a meeting in like you know, eight years or so. I said, I got to do it. So it turned out it was step eight. <laughs> I said, you know. I really haven't made a list. I've got the list in my head, you know, said so step eight is making a list. I made a list It's Ooh, I have my daughter on here. I haven't made an amends to her. So I kind to force me to make an amends to her. And she's well, it's no big deal. We all screw up. <laughs> it's all right. Wow. I just had a lot of, a lot of fear over step nine, but it really, it really isn't anything to fear about.
0: Were all of the amends that you made in step nine well-received?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, they didn't have any pushback, or they they, they went all right.
0: Yeah. A lot of people have a problem with yeah. making amends,
1: which I think it's fantastic when we hear the uh, the experiences of folks that uh, that it just went so smoothly too, because I mean it really is that fear. I mean, obviously, fear is, is a big problem for us as uh, untreated alcoholics anyway. And, uh, and that fear of doing that fourth and fifth step is huge. Uh, and, yeah. and there's lots of people in the rooms for some damn reason who feel like they need to feed the fear uh, of the newcomers in doing that fourth and fifth step. Um, but then it also hits with that ninth step, too uh that you know people uh love to relate the the horror stories and it's like you know there's a whole lot more successful ninth steps that go beautifully than horrible ones but you know they, they don't make good stories apparently uh, i make. glad to good hear story. that you got, yeah. <laughs> they're not sensational news items um
2: <laughs> yeah so but, i'm really glad you know, to hear
1: that you had great experience just it, it, things were well received
2: and then it makes the, you know, step 10, the, the smaller amends easier. You know, I can reflect back and say, oh, gee, I did screw up today. Oh, that person amends. And the next day, he's, hey, I was wrong. And, uh, you know, apologize for it. And It's, it's not that difficult. You know, I, I think one of the things that AA has done is kind of made me feel comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, making amends is, is uh, uncomfortable. But once you get through it, you know, it's okay. And it's not going to feel good. But as we say in AA, that you feel better, you feel more, you know, so uh, that uh, it's part of living, you know, that you admit your mistakes and and move on. So I've done a better job of that in the program.
1: While I may not know what exactly is on the other side of that action, I have a a general experience now that what's on the other side of that action is good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which, which makes it easier like you said, to do, uh, to admit that I'm wrong in everyday life when it just real quickly instead of like sitting on it for a long time. I went to a, like I was in a, went to a paint store and I had a paint color that I needed to match I'm a house painter. I took it in there and was just, living with the guy the salesman behind the counter i was a jerk i was really pissy about why can't you i can't find this color in your color book why can't you match and he was going this isn't our paint this color is like this is a different <laughs> number system than what we have i think this is Duron, and what we have here is sherman Williams something like that and i was like oh well it's still guess, your fault. I, I kind of like I. Uh, <laughs> I knew that. Well, <laughs> it's like uh, I was just well, testing you. <laughs> let's just let me just get as good a match as we can with with your paint. And so he he did that and, took, and came back. And when he came, as he was gone, I was going, "Good Lord, I'm a f- asshole." <laughs> you know, this guy's trying to work. With me throwing all this attitude on on him when he came back, I apologized for it. I wouldn't have apologized for it before I got sober mm. at all. I would have just been extra nice <laughs> to make up for <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> mm. It catches folks
1: off guard. I, I still have my moments, uh, particularly when I uh, am on the phone with someone who is a company that's pissed me off or something, and I'm I'm just not a happy camper. Uh, and it's so much easier for me to be a jerk over the phone than in face to face. Imagine that. Um, and I have caught myself and and corrected it and and apologized. And it's it's. Notable how that catches them off guard, because you know they're catching that crap all the time.
0: That's and the people job. Don't yeah. normally,
1: yeah, yeah, really, and but <laughs> people don't apologize to them for being a jerk to them. So yeah. what's the
0: fear of doing that? You know, because it's that human nature thing of positive. we're going to look
1: bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still love that thing I learned in a in a different training program it had nothing to do with AA but it was uh, you know the, there there's two things that are driving me as a human try to look good and if you can't look good don't look bad. That's <laughs> what that's what you go want?
0: I think how you look get your act together. Mm-hmm. Like I used to talk about well, I got to get my act together I'm trying to live now without an act. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to live now authentically. It's like who I am is w- what I present is who I am. You're playing yourself in this documentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Game of Life starring Don M. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So, Pat, what's your recovery life like now that you've been sober a while? Are Do you still blame your wife?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> no I mean uh it's I, I guess I got as rigorous honesty you know that uh you know to, to live that way I remember uh my wife was asked came to me she says now I want you to be honest you know I said oh boy I don't know what I did but I'm gonna be honest you know I'll tell her what it what you, what did I do and she says how does this outfit make me look i could honestly say that she did look nice but you know i was prepared for the worst and gonna deal with it be honest
1: you were prepared to throw yourself on that grenade
0: (laughs) we're rigorously honest not brutally honest i hear a lot of people (laughs) say there's people we need to be brutally honest no no
2: we can be honest and kind (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah yeah not and it's a better life not to to hide things or just you know to be open and be honest you know Um, almost also uh active in AA. you know i really believe in service work when i uh, moved down here to southport we have a club here and i started going to the men's meeting on saturdays so i'd ask around i said well who cuts the grass and who does this and and they said well i don't i don't really know so i just started cutting the grass and, you know, painting the the tables, whatever needed to be done. And then so they eventually asked me, well, why don't you be on the board? And I said, okay you know, and uh, and they asked like, well, the club really needs a newsletter. I said, well, I can do newsletters. I do the newsletter for the club. And then they said, well, time to uh, we need a president. So all of a sudden, I'm president of the club. (laughs) (laughs) How, How did that happen? And we also have a a great retreat down here, the Oak Island retreat. It's usually in May, but we've had to postpone it for COVID. So the next one is scheduled for October of uh, 2021. So I'm I'm active in in helping out on the retreat. So just uh, what happens at the retreat? What's
0: a retreat for people that have never been to one?
2: Well, we have uh, speakers come in. We have a Friday night speaker, an Al-Anon speaker, Saturday morning. And this one is kind of special. We have a kind of Workshops throughout the day. Um, we do a few steps. There's a yoga class, and then we have speakers Saturday night. We do uh, either a band or karaoke, and then a speaker on Sunday morning. So, and it's a great location. It's right on Oak Island, Coswell Beach. So, it's, hopefully, you can come down.
1: Well, those like retreats are pretty fantastic, and and aside from all of the fantastic programming that we get in those, the uh, the, the workshops and the speakers and all that is the hospitality suite and the the conversations in the hallways and, and and out on the grounds. I mean, it is amazing connecting with people at, at these events, especially attending them regularly. And they become kind of like family reunions, but actually family that you want to be around. <laughs> <laughs> Chosen yeah, would,
0: family. Yeah.
2: We get more out of uh, just sitting around, you know, at the concession stand talking to people, you know, it's like we say the meeting after the meeting, but, uh, mm-hmm. You know, so I always try to get to our meetings early and stick around afterwards you know and i don't I don't really share a lot during the meetings, but I can talk to the guys uh before and after the meeting and, and really get a lot out of that
0: yeah th- those are the conversations that are so cool, the connections that you make in the hallway and all. Remember that remember just running into random people, oh <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> there's a
1: vague memory there there's no
0: <laughs> there's nobody here i've just, i've been in this room for 9 months good god well, at least you're taking showers <laughs> yes i take showers i dress up week last night we had got to go Uh, from a restaurant a really nice restaurant here had dinner and i went to pick up the food and came back and my wife had we have a fireplace and we had the fireplace and it was was beautifully lit she had set a little table up in front of the fire with two chairs and we just pretended like we were at a restaurant actually got dressed up (laughs) i saw pictures of this on facebook and y'all looked like you were in a fancy little bistro I know. And we were pretending like the waiter was giving us, was coming by the table too much. No, we don't need anything else. <laughs> no, yes, everything is fine. Everything is, we were having the most fun.
1: Did you like, did you ditch the check? Did you run out the door without paying?
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, we snuck out to the bedroom. Wait a minute. <laughs> we snuck out. The- <laughs> Okay, Pat, enough about me. What do you think about me? Oh, you're terrific. <laughs> <laughs> do you have
2: any sponsees? Yeah, I've had a few. Um, as I say, you know, all of my sponsees, I've been hundred percent successful with, They've all kept me sober.
0: Oh, <laughs> so, I got you. Yeah.
2: But uh, yeah, you know, if, if you uh, haven't, haven't made it, you know, I did, uh, you know, try to get them through the steps. Um, and it's been good for me to go through the steps. Even mm-hmm. if they don't stay with the program, you know, it, it, I really benefit. What, what did, you eight, did you say? Eight? Did you say eight Eight years made amends? Any amends? Three years. Three years before I did mine. Yeah. So I really believe in the back. In fact, I use that program, the Back to Basics program. And it's put out by uh, Wally P. You can find it on, I think, on, in the AA um, site or uh, under under amazon but it's, it's a international program but i use that to get the sponsees through the steps quickly and it's it talks about the oxford group and the old time the history of aa and that's kind of the way they did it they got through everybody, the steps quickly cool and so how have
1: uh how have uh, some of these sponsees asked you to be their sponsor because i mean that's like a really tough thing to do
2: <laughs> yeah um yes yeah, so they just they asked me. Um, sometimes I try to de- defer them. I don't have a lot of, you know, experience with drugs, and some of them, you know, come that way. And I said, "Well, how about this guy? he's he's got some of your history." He said, "No, no, I want you." He said, "Okay, you know, and when the hand of you know somebody reaches out for AA, hey, i want the hand to be there." And so i you know, I always say yes when I can.
0: When I asked you if you would be a guest on the Boil Down and talk, you were reticent. Because you said that you weren't a low enough bottom possibly. And I also was like, I mean, when I came in, I was thinking that, you know, I'm really not that bad of an alcoholic to have to do something as drastic as AA. One thing that I was grateful for and really surprised at was that in the first week, I started getting so shaky. My hands were just trembling like crazy. And I was like, God, I didn't know I was that bad of an alcoholic (laughs) because I quit drinking. My body's reacting to it. And it was actually to the point, you know, that I was at a meeting and I wanted some coffee, but I didn't want to get it because my hands were shaking so bad. I was afraid you know, that I'd spill it. I didn't want everybody to see me spilling coffee. So I kind of picked up a cup and looked at it and set it back down. The guy next to me leaned over and said, you want me to get you a cup of coffee? And I was like, well, okay. And then I'm worried about it. He came back with half a cup. He knew. Yeah. (laughs) So I was pretty bad, but even so I wasn't a morning drinker. I hadn't lost my job. I didn't lose my wife. I didn't lose my kids. I didn't drink liquor. I didn't like to drink liquor because I got drunk too quick and I wanted to <laughs> like maintain through the day and into the night when I wanted to drink. So what do you say to that about high bottom? Are you, how do you,
2: how do you tell if you're an
0: alcoholic?
2: Uh, you know, it's just that when it becomes a problem in, in, in your life, you know, that I, you know I thought too that I was a functioning drunk, or whatever you know I didn't miss work, you know, didn't miss a tea time, or whatever you know I could function, but it wasn't you know it wasn't at a hundred percent, you know I wasn't wasn't at my best and I was you know wasn't living the lifestyle I wanted, being regretful and remorseful. Um, but yeah, I, I did I did have a fairly high bottom. you know I didn't lose the wife, the car, the kids, the job, whatever. Um, But when the elevator's going down, you don't have to wait to hit the bottom floor. You can get off higher up. You know that. Uh, that input, I've always then, liked
0: that expression. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, I couldn't identify with people that had gone to rehab. You know, I couldn't. Um, I did have my certificate from the psychiatrist that I was an alcoholic, but um, <laughs> certified. <laughs> hey. <laughs> certified. I didn't get my rehab certification, but but I could identify with people's feelings, you know, if they say they're in a room, you know, crowded of people that they want to drink, that was me, I'd always be heading right to the bar to get that drink in order to socialize, you know, that feeling of of loneliness or not feeling good enough, Um, you know, those kind of alcoholic uh, type feelings that, yeah, I could identify with that. So it's not, I think the key is not to uh, differentiate, as we say, but to to identify with the who's in the room or the speaker to say, yeah, I I share those same, same things that maybe I am an alcoholic.
1: I love how in the, uh, the 12 and 12, um, it talks about how uh, the, the, the authors of that book looked back over their history because they felt they needed to raise the bottom so that people who could scarcely consider themselves an alcoholic would be able to relate. I mean, it's, it's such a great service to the alcoholics who haven't found us yet that we do raise the bottom because you don't have to live through years and years of misery. Um, like, like somebody going through to a low bottom, you can, you can get off that elevator sooner if you can relate and you can see where this is heading. That's
0: right. You don't have to become boiled as an owl. (laughs) Oh, watch your head, Pat. <laughs>
1: it's time for our old-timers question.
0: Who you calling an old-timer?
1: You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die.
0: Well, no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time, Sam. <laughs> you
1: gotten a little salty there. <laughs> you can post a question at boiledowlaa.org. Uh, we have a question, a very simple one from Russell in South Dakota. Will I ever get happy?
0: Oh man, that's a good question. Will I ever get happy? Boy, I was I remember I've been sober about 3 months things had started to clear up a little bit. Impending doom went away for one thing. And I that was a real surprise. I was taking a shower one day and I started singing in the shower. And I I hadn't sung in the shower in 5 years. It's singing in the shower is kind of spontaneous overflowing joy type of thing, you know, when you start, when you just like all of a sudden start singing, you know, for that to bubble up, that's coming from a place of joy. I didn't think that that was, well, I didn't even know that that had gone away. Alcohol took that away from me. I was always under a sense of impending doom so in a short time i began to just feel a little bit of freedom and have a little bit of joy and be able to be in an aa meeting and see all these alcoholics uh talking about uh, god and cussing and laughing and It's like, what is going on with these people? And then I began to be able to join in with them as I could relate. But what really happened to me was my perspective changed in listening to fifth steps in being available to other people, like be able to go into a situation. Like i remember the first time that I went to a sponsee's, uh, his grandmother died and I went to the funeral and it will actually is the visitation. He was really upset, and he was very nervous about the uh, event. I drove into the parking lot. I told him I'd be there f- for him, and I didn't want to go inside because it was a funeral thing. And it was like, I don't really want to do this. And I start. I remember that place in the book where it says instead of looking to what we can get out of a situation we look to see where we could what we can bring to it and what I needed to do was go in and be there for him and just be helpful and if there's anything he needs take him and I went in and I was able to do that and at one point he's like this long line I got him a stool to sit on because it was a he was standing up a long time. I got him a glass of water. And at the end of the thing, he was so grateful. And I felt incredible joy at being helpful to someone else. So I think it's like, it has come to me. What I, what I really want is not so much to be happy as to be useful in life. And if I'm able to be useful, then Joy comes out of that in greater proportion than the superficial joy that I used to so appreciate in the bar where everybody's laughing and exuberant and singing and everything. This is like the real joy of giving and being available to other people, being of service. That's the best joy of all thanks Don. Pat, what do you think uh what do you what's your
2: answer for Russell? Will I ever get happy? I remember that the feeling I had when I knew I was done drinking that uh, everything that was fun involved drinking you know it was the golf, the fishing, running uh, socializing it was all drinking. When I realized I was done drinking, I thought the fun was over, you know, and it took a while to get through you know those first it's kind of events of going on a fishing trip not drinking going out with the guys not drinking that uh, it was tough but you know it got through got through it and uh, that you know we hear the promises you know that you find a new freedom and a new happiness it's not the happiness that we knew when we were drinking of that buzz feeling or whatever but it's more of a a serene kind of feel the other thing that i like is in the the serenity prayer, of the second half, when it talks about living one day at a time and enjoying one moment at a time, you know, I catch myself now saying, you know, those past five seconds, they were a pretty good moment, you know, that that life is good, and <laughs> so, yeah, you do, you will experience happiness, it'll take time, but uh, all of a sudden, you realize, hey, you know, I'm, I've got a pretty good life, and uh, it'll come, and as we say in the promises, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, I always say that I'm the Sometimes slowly, you know, I got drunk or became alcoholic slowly. My my recovery was slow. It took me three years to start the steps, but uh, you know, I've been sober almost 12 years and it's a good life and you'll, you will experience happiness, so trust me.
1: Thanks, Pat. Uh, So, uh, will I ever get happy? Uh, so, yeah, of course you will. Uh, and, but I think you, you both have, have been like completely touching on a point in that, that it's not, my experience is, you know, am I happy all the time? Hell no. Is it, but do I have uh, moments of, of sheer joy because of having been of service Oh God, yes! I love it when I have a, a an opportunity to 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 help somebody, and it works out beautifully. Especially, I mean, that's just wonderful. It is a fantastic feeling. But I also love the superficial joy that I get to have of going to a party and uh, and and hanging out with friends, new and old, and and laughing at at stupid stuff. And uh, um, you know, I still enjoy comedy shows and movies and stuff. I, I, I I have fun. And I think that that's a big difference. You know, is is happy my state of mind at all times? No. But do I have access to it? Absolutely. Is fun the only type of happy that I get to have? No. Um, There's a contentment that I have today too. The the happiness, will I ever get happy? Yeah, you'll you'll definitely get happy, Russell. Uh, The thing is, is that you're not going to stay happy. My experience is when the happiness subsides, I don't want to crawl into a bottle because I'm sad now. Because I may not even be sad. It just be, may be that that moment of elation is gone or something like that. But the other side of that too is I don't want to crawl into a bottle now when I'm happy because I like I didn't need an excuse to drink. Uh, it was awesome to drink. I mean, if I was happy and going to a party or, or, or just I was happy, obviously drinking made that better. That's what I thought. Um, And of course, if I was sad or pissed off or whatever, drinking made that better. Or so I thought Um, today, I don't want to crawl into a bottle. Uh, I don't want to change the way I feel with alcohol or drugs. And that choice, that, that ability to choose, not even think about that. It's not even a choice I'm having to make now is what gives me access to living a contented and uh, a contented life that has many moments of happiness, lots of fun. But yes, I do have sadness, and I have other. I've got moments of anger too. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm a pretty well-rounded human being today. That is not uh, that's not drunk or high. Perhaps it took me a little while to find access to the happiness, but I definitely have that in my uh, in my pocket today too.
0: Sam, doesn't it when you first got sober, you know, to me, it just did seem like that happiness was out of reach. And beside the point, you know, it's like, I'm going to get sober because I have to. My life is turned into hell and I'm going to have to do something different. And I was resigned to going into AA and never being happy again. So, don't you think it's surprising that it's the alcohol that's telling this lie that it provides happiness? Yes. And it's not, it doesn't, not real happiness.
1: Well, it was tr- again, I mean, so it's that whole idea that, you know, alcohol was my solution, or so I thought. It was my solution to everything. It it was what took care of me, and and yes, it did take care of me at one point in my life. It it actually helped me to early, be alive today, early to, to make it through. But once I had my head programmed that alcohol was the solution, that alcohol did make me happy, it made uh, sadness bearable. It uh, you know all these things. Um, deprogramming that myself, I did not have access to. I needed help and I found it in Alcoholics Anonymous that allowed me to find out that, oh, alcohol really was not a solution. Uh, And I found a solution in these rooms.
0: In fact, it turns out it's the problem. (music) Pat, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed it.
1: Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Unless we're feeling super special and then we'll give you a special episode. If you'd like to contribute to help with expenses, information on that is at the bottom of our website. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.
2: And we're done. All right. Thanks, Pat. Well, got through an uncomfortable situation, right? <laughs> 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 Again, right? <laughs> let look to see where
0: we can be helpful. <laughs> You've heard you need to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Who has the time? Don't these people in recovery know how important you are? You need Sponsor sponsors Speed Recovery System. At the Sponsor sponsor Company, we know how valuable your time is. Order our new product, Speed Recovery. 90 meetings in 90 minutes. That's right. 90 meetings in only 90 minutes you receive our cassette tape of 90 speaker meetings that's 90 old timers all talking at once 90 hours of wisdom compacted into only 90 minutes unbelievable listen to this sample Incredible! The recovery just pours into your brain. 90 topics on every subject, all at the same time. Don't have 90 minutes? Just increase the playback speed to increase the recovery. Don't miss the miracle just because of your busy schedule. Order Sponsor Schmonzer's Speed Recovery System today. 90 meetings in 90 minutes. Only 90 bucks. Sponsor Schmonzer and all its products are not approved by Alcoholics Anonymous, and since they are not real, they probably will not work.